OHL hockey is back. This is the Farwell and Boat Podcast. Originating from the 570 News Studio in Kitchener. Here are your hosts, Mike Farwell and Chris Pope. Another edition of the Farwell and Pope Podcast. And if you're a first-time listener, long-time caller, um, I know that doesn't work, but it's normally about the OHL. But Mike, you and I were just talking off Mike, and we have to start with this. I don't know why. It's not a thing to start with. Yes, it is. Okay. You have never in your life seen an episode of The Simpsons. That's that cartoon, right? Never. Not one. Not one? Never. How do you not just like stumble across one? So let me let me date myself here. Please. Okay. I remember The Simpsons as part of the Tracy Ullman show. Okay. And I remember seeing Great. Um, a Simpsons out of the way. vignette, uh, if you had will, a couple other chances at a movie I was at one in, night. Uh, it was like the short or something too, before the movie started good. It was, it was a around the previews, right? So, uh, and I'm like, be what for the, the hell and, and thank is this idiocy that's keeping me from whatever movie it was I wanted to see? So it kind of... It just rubbed uh, me the wrong the way, and really. I will admit uh, that certainly at that time of my life, I wasn't into that kind of it today, and, and I wasn't all, really which sure. many people will tell so, you how clever uh, it is today, so maybe little, I just wasn't clever scary, enough for but, um, it. Whatever the case, yeah, it, it rubbed really me the good. wrong way from the get-go. Then I thought, well, this isn't a cartoon, because cartoons, for me, were like Saturday morning cartoons, right? This was a much more mature, quote-unquote, cartoon. So I never watched it, and now it has turned into such a pop cultural phenomenon yeah. that I wear it as a badge of honor to say, not only have I never seen an episode of the show, but I never will. I will avoid it deliberately now just to keep being able to say, Cause you're that I've guy. never seen an episode. Yeah. yeah. So that forget blo- about it. That blows my mind. Like, not once. Really, I can't believe that you haven't seen one episode. Mm-mm. I know that Homer works at some power plant with radioactive stuff, and uh, he's married to a woman with blue hair, and they have children that never age, and uh, Mr. Flanders is in there somewhere. (laughs) Mr. uh, Flanders. Krusty the Clown, right? Yeah, but anyway, that's yeah. I've never seen it, never intend to. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. You okay with Uh, that? Yeah, I just wanted to get that out of the way. Well, you know what? It ties in nicely, because sometimes you do things that are principled, and that's why I will... Now say, and where is the badge of honor? Never will I see an episode of The Simpsons. I also recognize that as someone who's been around this glorious game of hockey for a few years, that what happens when a player scores a hat trick is fans throw their hats onto the ice surface. It's a celebration, you see. Unless you're in Kitchener, apparently. Rangers head coach, Jay McKee. And lastly, have you ever seen a hat trick without any hats on the ice? I was shocked at that. <laughs> uh, I just poked fun at uh, Riley in there. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, I don't think the PA announcer should have to go on the air and re- remind or let everyone know he just scored his third goal. But, um, you know, it, it's good. It, get, it kept the flow of the game going, which we wanted as well. First career hat trick. How's it, how's it feel? Great. Um, you got that one out of the way. Uh, had a couple other chances earlier in uh, in the year and, and last year too, but feels good. It was it was a lucky third goal. So uh, gotta be thankful for the bounce and, and and thankful for McHugh's play on the wall. He got me the puck, and it's just a good feeling. Uh, well, that cheesy one went in. What'd you think? It was just uh, all the weight off my shoulders, really. Uh, the guy's huggy was kind of messing with me, asking me if I'm going to get it today, and, and I wasn't really sure. <laughs> so it um, gets a little little scary, but, um, yeah, it just felt really good. I'm telling you, and I feel as though 
because you and I have talked about this a lot on our broadcasts. I did a post-game show about it. Yeah. Twitter kind of blew up because we were very vocal with our surprise, and rightly so, dare I use the word, shocked, mm-hmm. that Riley Damiani scores his first career hat trick in the hockey market that is Kitchener, and with the 6,000 fans in the building, not a one of them tossed a hat onto the ice. I, I'm with you. I feel like because we talked about it so much on the broadcast and then listening to your postgame show and seeing some of the backlash that we both got, if you can call it that on Twitter, the interaction of people saying, telling us to give it a break. Uh, if you were one of those people, I'm going to fast forward for the next five minutes. We're not giving it a break because we shouldn't give it a break. Because when you go to a hockey game and someone gets a hat trick, you throw a hat. I am convinced that the blowback we have been getting is simply a result of the fans being rather embarrassed. And they should be. I mean, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I'm not saying there had to be 6,000 hats on the ice. I'm just saying with that many fans, surely to goodness one could have come off somebody's head and been thrown onto the ice. You get them back, by the way. The arena staff gives you your hat back, just so you know. You collect them on the way out the door. But... I just I, I think the fans should be embarrassed by that. I truly do. And just to bring that into perspective, the very next night in Owen Sound, or maybe it was two nights later, Kevin Hancock scores a hat trick. Two of them went into an empty net, and 11 hats were thrown onto the ice at the Bayshore where there were roughly a third of the fans that were in Kitchener. I don't get it. Well, I, I love some of the, the comments we got, like, Someone used the hashtag traditions die. I'm like, that is just dumb. And that's sad. <laughs> like <laughs> traditions die. You're right. We should probably just cut out, you know, face offs after goals too. It why? Why? Right. Right? Just let the other team have the puck. Traditions die. It's lame. That's you're a fan. You're going to the game. You want to be a part of the game. That's why you cheer after a goal. That's why you boo referees when they call a penalty. It's what fans do and what they've always done when I went to a hockey game I've told you before Mike I would take an extra hat with me or wear a crappy hat knowing and hoping I came home without a hat because you wanted to see that hat trick I was like I want to throw my hat so bad when when there's a teddy bear toss everyone shows up with a $20 teddy bear but you can't throw your hat why I think it is in Kitchener is because the crowd at the odd is increasingly growing older and they just don't care. They're not, they, they're not, they go to the game every Friday and then they don't talk about it. They don't, they don't they're not listening to the, the radio. They're not watching away games. It's their night out. They go to the odd. They watch some hockey. They go home and that's their ball cap. That's what they have. I'm more embarrassed for anyone under the age of like 40 that didn't throw it. You can reach us anytime on Twitter at Farwell underscore OHL and at underscore Chris Pope, and we interact and will respond to you. And that brings me to the point. Sherry, who has interacted with us on Twitter and is a big Rangers fan, uh, and and I've loved the interaction. She's a big fan, tweets a lot, brought up the suggestion or made the suggestion that it perhaps should be up to the arena staff to let fans know, to make them aware that a hat trick may be about to happen. And to tie into what you just said, Chris, no. Yeah. Just no. Uh, you, you should not have to, as a fan, as someone who's in the building, you should not have to be told that somebody has already scored 
two goals and they might get a third. What what level of awareness have you got in the game that you don't know that one of the players on your team has already scored twice? I I don't know. And you know what? I'd, I'd even give him a pass if... And I don't think you should do this because that's where you're going to get in trouble. But as Dave Schneider announces, you know, Kitchener Rangers goal scored by number 13, his third of the night. If you hear that and you didn't throw your hat and you're like, oh, shoot, if you chucked it then, I'd give you a pass. You might get in trouble because the game's going on, but a linesman's just going to pick it up and throw it over the glass back anyway. I think it's about the principle. I really do, much like your silly principle to start this podcast. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's what you do. I I'm embarrassed. I think you're on to something with the fan base that is in Kitchener. And let me tell you, let me go back a little bit here because I grew up in the city, right? So I've been coming to Kitchener Rangers games for my entire life. And when I was a kid, it was a treat. It wasn't something we got to do. Like, I still feel, if I can just touch on this, so privileged. I kid you not to be able to walk into that building 34 times a year without a ticket and go wherever we want to go, like honest I'm to goodness. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in a family of five. Uh, money didn't grow on trees. So it was it was a treat for my brother and I to be able to go with my dad to a hockey game. And we did like our traditional German ancestors would have done with our lunch buckets. We would we would we would cut where we could. We would do things as inexpensively and efficiently as possible. So before we left for the game, when it was a night we were going to be able to go, and it might have been twice a season, mom would pop some popcorn for us at home. And we'd put it in a brown paper bag, the kind you used to get at the grocery checkout, and we would carry it with us into the Memorial Auditorium for a hockey game. Nobody even batted an eye at that sort of thing. To be honest, that's still happening. That is still happening within oh, the sure family because sure. we are as cheap as we've ever been. And you know what? Coming from a guy who is cheap, I admit that. I'm about as cheap as they get. Good on you. I am famously still teased by my broadcast colleagues or my media colleagues for a call I got on a post-game show after a Kitchener Rangers game I don't know how many years ago. But this dear, sweet, elderly woman got through on the phones and all she wanted to talk about, not the game that had just happened, I think it was the playoffs too, she wanted to know why the water fountains aren't at the odd anymore because she likes to come in and fill up her water bottle so she doesn't have to buy a pop from the concessions. That's what we are in Kitchener, and God bless us for it. But when it comes to the throwing of the hat on the ice, I think we've we've gone over, we, we've jumped the proverbial cheapskate shark on that. Hey, I'm all for saving a buck. All for Same. It, right? I got no problem with it. I know hats are expensive. When I lose a hat, it bothers me because I'm like, you're an idiot. That was just 40 bucks you paid or more sometimes. But if you like the hat that much, it's the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium. It's not Maple Leaf Gardens. It's not Scotiabank Arena. It's not Rogers Center. Go up (laughs) underneath the stairs between Sterling and Ottawa. Everyone knows where the offices are. Say, I threw my hat for Riley Damiani's hat trick. Can I get it back? I guarantee you they will get you your hat. I guarantee you. Come and find me. I'll take you around and find the hat. Anyway. We mentioned the Kevin Hancock hat trick that same weekend and 11 hats thrown on the ice in Owen Sound, the smallest OHL market. 
I do, however, have it on good authority that a couple of weeks earlier, you may remember hearing about the hat trick scored by Curtis Douglas of the Windsor Spitfires, a natural hattie, no less, and not a single hat thrown onto the ice at the WFCU either. So the Rangers aren't the only fan base is what you're saying. Correct. And so to the hashtag that neither of us really liked, traditions die, maybe what we are seeing is that slight change to the game and fans caring less for the honoring of a tradition like that. It makes me sad, but maybe that's what's happening. It does. And with all due respect, all due respect, the Memorial Cups they have, the team they have, the arena they have, Windsor is one of the top organizations in this league, bar none. But at that game, there was an announced attendance of 4,700 people. How many do you think were actually there given our trips to the WFCU Center this year? Uh, maybe half. They've, they've been pretty inflated. Those would be tickets sold. Yeah. There was over 6,000 at the odd that night. Sorry. That's a one... That, it, it's a third of the crowd. I'll give them a break. There's only 2,000 people there. On East Ave, you're better than that. Hoper, I'm with you. I'm going to give them a break because it happened. We've said our piece. Yes. If it happens again. Oh, boy. Whoo. We might have an entire podcast on the history of the hat trick. The, of whether we should still call this region a hockey city. Careful now. Careful now, but I see where you're going Just with saying. that, and and the question, in light of this situation, the question is fair. You, hey, we've been asked. You've mentioned it. We've been asked numerous times. What's with Kitchener fans leaving the game early? Now they're not throwing hats. What's going on? The times they are changing, my friend. Uh, speaking of a changing, yes, Jason Robertson's changing teams. Come on, with yes, he is. Yeah, okay. And I have a thought about this okay. that I think is ludicrous, Oh, but I put it out there anyway, and maybe there's a starting point for conversation. But yes, Jason Robertson traded from the Kingston Frontenacs to the Niagara Ice Dogs, along with Jacob, Jacob Paquette. Yeah. So both players, Robertson and Paquette, NHL drafted, heading to Niagara to bolster an Ice Dogs lineup that many coming into this season thought would be a championship contending team. Which isn't to say they weren't already, but they wanted to beef it up. I get it. But the package in return, two players and 11 draft picks, four seconds, three thirds, a fifth, a seventh, an 11th, and a 13th. 11 draft picks along with a couple of players, Constantinou and Martin going back the other way. That's a big package. What do you think? Do you like? No, I know that you don't. So let me rephrase that. Why don't you like the package that Niagara sent Kingston? It's not, it's not really a question of like or dislike. It's just, it's a bit of a frustration because as much as I'm a broadcaster in this league, I am a fan of this league and I make no apologies for it. Uh, I think the league has gotten it right. You and I have talked about it on previous prod, uh, bodca- podcasts as well as on our broadcasts is what I'm trying to say. Did I mention I'm a broadcaster in this league? <laughs> uh, I, I think the league has got it right when it comes to how players are compensated in the game. I think you get a very high level of hockey. I think no matter which team you cheer for on any given night, whether it's a player on your team or the visiting team, 
you're going to find somebody on the ice who's worth the price of admission. I could go on and on. Like I said, I make no apologies for being a fan of this game. And as a fan, I look at this and I just think it's just it's ludicrous to me to think about two scenarios here. One is what this does to the Ice Dogs franchise currently. Like, where does this team now go next year and the year after? And how much care has been given for the next couple of seasons? Because that's a lot of picks to recoup. And then the other aspect of it is, apparently those picks can be recouped in an awful hurry because Kingston, which went out and went for it a season ago, seemingly in one transaction makes back pretty much all of the draft picks that they had traded away. So there's something about it being almost like a fantasy league when it's a real league. And I think if you want to be taken seriously, this needs to be analyzed. I don't, I I really don't see a problem in it. I don't. It's an expensive price to pay, but you're getting a guy that had back-to-back 40 goal seasons and an NHL shutdown or NHL drafted shutdown defenseman in Paquette. I think that Niagara has made it known that they are going for it, and <laughs> this obviously says that. 11 picks plus two players. With the with um, the, the league implementing its rule on uh, you can only trade draft picks up until 2024, right? 2020, yeah, 2024. Yeah, this year, and it's yeah. going to stay that way yeah. until 2020, and then it's always and then four years maximum in four years out. Yeah, right. I think with that, the number of picks go up because you can't trade, you know, five seconds and or seconds in 2026, which is you're still getting a second rounder. Now it's like, well, we're going to need some more picks before 2024 in order to do it. And I think with that new ruling, we're going to see more trades like this. And I, it's an, I go back to the teams have assets. They can choose what to do with them as they may, and they're going to trade those assets. So Niagara decided the price of Jason Robertson and Jacob Paquette is two players and 11 draft picks. It's the assets they have, and they can choose what to do with it. I think being a general manager is in the National Hockey League is always worried about with the salary cap where you're worried about where you're going to be in a couple of years. In the OHL, I'm not sure you really have to worry about that. Win now Worry about the rest later. Win now, especially if you're trying to get to that next level. If you want to get, go to the pro levels, you win now and leave a mess for whoever comes in afterwards. Who you're, cares? You're, you're coming around to my point, and I haven't even told you my really ludicrous idea, but it ties into exactly what you're talking about. So let me, let me put it to you this way. If you're a fan in St. Catharines, right? You're probably stoked. If you love this Ice Dogs team, right? You're over the moon right now. They they, they have to peel you off the ceiling. You're so excited. If I'm in Niagara, I'm going to get season tickets. Right. I am. But they're going for it. Why not? Be a part of the ride. But what do you now think about your team for the next two years after this? Are you willing to go all in with your team now, knowing that the next two years, at least in my opinion, are going to suck and suck royally? I don't really know. Like, are they going to suck royally? Does Kingston suck royally this year? For sure. Okay. So but, what do you think Niagara is going to be like next year? Yeah. Well, of course, you're not going to be as good. But that's the job of of a good GM is, yeah, hey, we're going to suck. But the year after, I got no problem with it. Like, Win- Windsor's done it for how many years? Yeah. And they got banners for it. Three. Three 
Memorial Cup banners. I get it. I put up with a couple of bad years. See, I, I struggle with this. And, and or else you're just so, going to be mediocre the entire time, and you're never going to have a winner, and you're just going to be sitting there like countless teams in this league just being mediocre all the time. Hey, remember that one good player we had? He, you watched him for two years, now we're going to ship him off for a draft pick. It's Eventually, you got to push your chips in or you're just going to dwindle. Pete DeBoer and Steve Spott both loaded up their teams. DeBoer got further than Spott to the Memorial Cup final. DeBoer got and lost to Spokane in the final. Uh, Steve Spott didn't make it out of the Western Conference, and then they left. And that mess was left behind with non-playoff years in Kitchener both times. It's a pretty big mess. Dare I say that the current edition of the Kitchener Rangers is still in some ways recovering from spots all in. And that's fine. To your point, if that's what you want to do in this league and then leave the mess for somebody else, okay. I don't love it, quite frankly. I would like to think there's enough care in the current job to not decimate it before moving on. But so be it. And I think that's the most of the time, yeah, there is enough care. But I also think that it's a win now. You want people in the seat. We're all, and as the years get older, we're increasingly fighting over people's entertainment dollar. And as as we talked about before, as everyone gets a little more frugal, that L, or that entertainment dollar gets smaller and smaller. But aren't you risking that entertainment dollar then next year in St. Catharines when you become utterly irrelevant? And I really do think you are. Yeah, maybe. But right, and then but, people will but, find something else to do, and the next thing you know, when you're ready to go for it again, you've lost 400, let's say, of your regular seat buyers. Oh, well, that, that that's why you're sending out season ticket renewals in February. Yeah. But I think that you're okay with that, because in two years, all of a sudden you're back up again. I think the steady, mediocre teams that are just okay with making it to the second round every once in a while is a dangerous thing to be in. I don't think... And this will come to my rather ludicrous idea. I don't think uh, you have to be content with second-round playoff appearances and just cruising through. I think there is a way of pushing all in now and again and still maintaining a level of decency. Hello, London Knights. And we can say what we want about how it gets accomplished in London or not. But I wonder if we don't have to work on, implement some sort of salary cap in the Ontario Hockey League. Or we in the can't Canadian have a Hockey salary League. cap. But, this is, but the salary is what you were talking about earlier. You said the draft picks are these teams' assets. They can use those assets as they see fit. And I want to tell you up front, too, that I, I struggle a little bit with this whole notion of parity. I kind of like dynasties. At least, I certainly like dynasties when they're teams that I like. Like, the New England Patriots can suck it, okay? But the Pittsburgh Steelers (laughs) are awesome. But if I really do step back objectively, I kind of don't mind the idea of of dynasties. I kind of like it. That said, and particularly at this level, I I think it might, we might be better served if if there's more, like the, the addition of the second wild card in baseball. Just think of what that's done to the relevance of a baseball season. You look at the National Hockey League, in the salary cap era, and everybody gets a turn, Popper. Everybody gets a turn. So would it be completely out of the realm of possibility? And I mean this. And As soon as I said it, I thought, I'm on to something. And then an hour and a half later, I'm like, Farwell, you're an idiot. But now I'm coming back, and I'm going to ask you. Don't 
Don't shut me down right away. Okay, sorry. Why can't we cap the number of picks that can change hands in any one transaction? Why can't we do that? My question is why? Because you're forcing teams to be better stewards of their assets. It, it, it does, it, because then everybody can play. Everyone, anyone, anyone can play right now? We no, all they the, can't. Yes, they can. No, they can't. They all have the same amount of picks. Draft better. What are you talking about? Sault Ste. Marie does not have that many picks left because they gave them all away to get Radish and Sambrook well, last that's, year. That's what I mean. That's their problem. Right. But that's, that's what I'm telling you. So if you had a cap... So you can't just no- implement a cap now to be like, hey, uh, sorry, everyone else in the league. You know how Sault Ste. Marie unloaded a bunch of guys and got Taylor Radish and went to the OHL final and... We're just going to give him a couple picks left or picks back, and now we're going to take some from you. The Sorry, league, tough break. You you already touched on it. The league has already done that in a sense with putting the cap on the number of years out a player can be traded. Yeah, they've almost sewered those teams. They've sort of grandfathered it in, so it's six years out this year, five years out next year, and then in twenty twenty it becomes a four year window. So why not grandfather something else in? I'm just I'm throwing it out there, Popper. No, it would effectively be a Canadian Hockey League salary cap so that you save teams from themselves. I'm sorry, Joey Burke. Your team is going to stink next year and probably the year after that. And if you're in St. Catharines, I wouldn't be thrilled about that as- that prospect. I think you have to be thrilled about it. Your team is going for it and trying to win a championship Did right now. Did Sue win the championship last year? No, but look okay. at the run they went on. you got to be happy about yeah. it. You're like, well, at least they pushed their chips in and went for it. At I least guess. they weren't happy with mediocrity for the rest of time like so many teams in this league you're right my my argument is not bulletproof but i i really did think of it after this 11 picks my goodness gracious and and that's that's not even giving a fair shake to billy constantino and ian martin who the players were not even talking about like it's it's a 13 piece trade good gravy that's the nice part about kingston right they still get to fill a full roster because they lost two players they gained two players plus they just got 11 picks in their back pocket honest to goodness but the question you can you can trade as many picks as you want. Why? If, if no, but what I'm saying, if they're not, if if a team doesn't draft well, you could have a hundred picks in the draft. If you're not drafting well, it doesn't really matter. For sure, absolutely. We right see it time that. and time again. Yeah. Lond- How does London end up at the bottom of the draft? We, we looked at it. No, the top of the draft. Oh yeah, sorry. The bo- yeah, right. You're right. They're bottom- picking fifteen to twenty, and they're getting studs. Exactly. Yeah. Draft better. That's all it is. Okay. Um, if you bring up that idea again, I'm going to fire you. What? You Why would you do that? Okay, let me let me ask you a question. Okay. Let me ask you a question. That's a perfect segue, but carry on. What do... Well, it's tight. I know. Okay. You're right. I should have I let you have <laughs> no, that. No, what else? What else do you want to hear? I just want to ask you what Todd Watson, Greg Gilbert, Mo Mantha, Spencer Carberry, and Troy Smith all have in common. Who? They all coached, coached in Saginaw? In the past six seasons. In six seasons, Popper, granted, Mo Mantha was an interim coach, never had the full title. Right. But in six seasons, Todd Watson, Greg Gilbert, Spencer Carberry, and Troy Smith, and you can throw Mo Mantha in there for the end of the 2016 season. Five guys, or if you take Mo out, four guys, six years, one team. Wow. Why do you think that is? It's much like Edmonton. We saw a coaching change in the National Hockey League this week after Troy Smith was relieved of his duties in Saginaw. With Todd McClellan out, they've had, I think, six coaches or eight coaches since 2009 when they went on that cup run. Why? 
I think what you see in situations like that is a case of a general manager trying to protect his job as opposed to looking in the mirror and wondering if they did their job as well as they could. Everybody wants their guy. It just seems to be really tough to find that guy in Saginaw right now. I completely agree with you in this case. I think, and I keep going back to it, but McClellan's case, it's a general manager trying to save their job. When a team is underperforming, and I really don't know if Saginaw is underperforming. That's the thing. You've got sub-900 goaltending, and I'm sorry that you're sitting second in the West Division right now. Sault Ste. Marie's kind of got Morgan Frost and Barrett Hayton and Mac Hollowell and Jordan Sambrook, and... Yeah, Saginaw's got some nice pieces in Cole Perfetti and Bodie Wild, to name just a couple, but they're not quite at that Sioux level yet. And wait till Sioux sells off in early 2019. And Saginaw, look, they were probably a year away, but they're a decent club. They're pretty much on pace with projections. It's not like while Troy Smith was away at the U-17s, the team went on a 6-0 and run. No, It's very, very confusing to me. Dave Drinkle was named uh, the general manager in 2015. In 2015, Greg Gilbert. Yep. So Who in, had just taken over for Todd Watson. Yeah, in right. 2012. Yeah. So in three years, like forget all, like going back before, Gilbert, Mantha, Carberry, Smith, Lazary. Five coaches mm-hmm. in three years. Mm-hmm. What... <laughs> How do you expect to have success? Look at the most successful teams in this league. The coaching staff stays the same. The message is still the same, direct down from the general manager. This one, to me, it's right after a guy like Troy Smith was honored by Hockey Canada to go over to the under-17s and look after a team over there. To represent our country, to coach the young hockey players in our country that will hopefully be a member of our national team at the World Junior Tournament in a couple of years. I think it sounds like while Troy was over there, that, that general manager liked life a little better and thought, I'm just going to pull the trigger now. But obviously, trigger happy. No? Five head coaches in three years? That's insane. It is. To me, I, I agree with that, and I think those numbers speak for themselves, and it kind of reminds me of, and remember... It was very Hollywoodized, okay? But if you've seen the movie Moneyball, they paint a rather interesting portrayal of Billy Bean, general manager of the Oakland Athletics, and Art Howe, the manager. Now, apparently, in real, it made Art Howe look like an absolute arse, which in real life, he's not. I'm, not I'm, I'm surprised I haven't heard more backlash about him fighting the portrayal of him in the movie. But what is, essentially happens is... A general manager assembles a team and wants the players played in a certain way, and Art Howe in the movie was saying, no, I'm going to do it my way. That sounds to me like the kind of difference that we're seeing in Saginaw. Dave Drinkle has a a concept of how he would like his players played, and the coach is saying, well, I'm the coach, and I think I know how to play the players that you're giving me. So I guess what I'm getting around to is, why doesn't Dave Drinkle just become coach and general manager? Because that seems to be what he he wants to do. He wants to have his fingerprints on it. He wants a coach that's going to coach the way he wants to be coached. And I'm all for that. I am all for that. My thing is, you hired these guys. 
do you not have the discussion before that as to how do you think we should be playing? What kind of hockey do you want to be playing? What are your systems that you want to implement here? Here's my vision for the team. Here's the kind of hockey players I'm going to draft for you. How do you want to play? I think that's a normal discussion to have with a head coach before hiring him. He just hired Troy last year. <laughs> How do you turn around and fire him a year and a half later? You're obviously like, you know what kind of hockey coach he is. You know what kind of person that he is. It's, it's just like, if what's the pre, uh, prepare to fail quote? If you fail to prepare, you're preparing to fail. And I think the failure to prepare yourself and prepare the coach that you want to hire, you're obviously going to fail. I think it's just, it, 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 this sounds bad, but it's almost like, it's almost laughable. Like it's, it doesn't make much sense to me. Not just the Troy firing, all of it. Like, get a head coach, stick with a guy, implement your systems, keep the message going, and carry on. We see it time and time. Why do you think Why do you think teams like London and Windsor have been so successful? You know what? That's such a great point, and it's something that I think gets overlooked in this league so often, Popper, so often. And, and I get it in some senses. I mean, you and I have said before, we don't think that Jay McKee, God bless him, is is long for this league. He's got aspirations of coaching at a higher level, and I think he's shown that he's got the ability to do that. This is, in many ways, like it's a development league for players. It's absolutely a development league for coaches. It's a development, development league for officials and so on and so forth. So you see guys kind of graduating out, but there there is a reason. There is absolutely a reason that the London Knights have had long-term sustainable success. And the primary reason for that, forget all your rumors and innuendo, Dale Hunter has been the voice behind that bench for how long? Look at Brian Kilray up in Ottawa. A model franchise, a proud franchise in this Ontario Hockey League for how many years? Look at how long Pete DeBoer and Steve Spott together were part of this Kitchener Rangers organization, resurrecting it from the ashes of the late 1990s, quite frankly, and over a a span of about 13 seasons, it was those two guys, and it brought this Rangers franchise back to its proud status. Dale DeGray has been in, in Owen Sound now for how long? And he's had some successful teams, albeit different head coaches along the way. But there's something to be said for that consistency, for sure. I'm with you. I think that, like I said... If you're going to, you know, have one message for your team and you look at Killer in Ottawa and the Hunters in London, it's both two very successful franchises and you knew it, Stan Butler up in with the battalion, let's there just you go. call him that. You knew every time you're coming in to play the battalion, exactly the kind of hockey they were going to play. Yes, you did. When you go and see the London Knights, you know exactly the kind of hockey they're going to play. And it's because it doesn't matter what kind of team or what players are in there, the team plays the same way because the head coach is the same the whole way through. Rookies come in, they're told, here's how we play. Those rookies stick around for four years. They're now the veterans. They know how to play. They've been playing the same system for four years, hearing the same voice. They know what's expected. They don't care who you are from the battalion, the 67s, the Knights. They don't care who you are. You buy into the system. You play that way for three or four or five years. When the, there's a different coach coming in every, every year telling a player something else, 
it's hard for a player to be successful. They already have enough voices in their ears. They're NHL scouts. There's their their uh, their agents, their parents, their friends. Now you got six, seven coaches throughout a world throughout a junior career. It's tough. I I feel bad for them. Oh, as do I. And I kind of feel bad for Saginaw because this is a franchise that's really got to start getting it together. There's tremendous competition in the market with high school football on weekends, Friday nights in particular. Uh, it, it's, I don't know, it's a city that has been in this league long enough that it deserves more than it has received. I'm with you. I just think if you're in a job for three years as a general manager, you probably shouldn't have five head coaches. Uh, just Dale DeGray's been in on sound since 2007. There you go. It's a decent level of consistency, and it speaks to, I think, look, they've got a championship in there, right? Yeah. And of late, for sure. Again, you're seeing consistently good teams. Uh, we were down in Michigan this weekend. We were. Or this so, week. Sorry, a midweek game ahead of uh, the American Thanksgiving, which, ha- happy Thanksgiving to anyone in America. We, we do this podcast in large part because we get the opportunity to kind of take you on the road with us. I don't know what we're going to do between this podcast and our next one because we're not going anywhere. <laughs> but we'll figure it out. Don't worry. But yes, uh, having the opportunity to go from a guy that's just been fired to a guy that's just been hired in Flint. That would be Eric Wellwood. We had a chance to talk to him before the Firebirds and Rangers played on the eve of Thanksgiving. So this is our first uh, chance to get to talk to you since taking over the role here. How's it been? Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's been an adjustment period for me, definitely. Uh, I'm just in the assessment mode still to seeing what needs to be fixed. Uh, obviously, there's some issues that uh, we need to take care of. Uh, that, that first win a couple weeks ago, what was the mood like after that, finally getting that monkey off this team's shoulder? Yeah, it seemed like uh, we almost won the Stanley Cup, <laughs> you know, and, and rightfully so. Yeah. You you can uh, you get into those slumps and they're hard to come out of, uh, you know, and we played really well that weekend. We got, uh, you know, the last game of that weekend against Mississauga, we lost with 40 seconds left in a tie game. So one of those situations where we felt like we played really well as well. The process of coming in here, you were coaching up in Windsor. Um, how did the process come about of you taking this job? Yeah, I was actually uh, with the Windsor Lancers University team. Uh, we were in Thunder Bay when I got the call from the league that they'd like to do, go through the interview process with me. Um, after they did their due diligence with whatever they needed to do, um, they obviously offered me the job. In your playing career, did you want to be a coach after you were done? Uh, to be honest, I was so focused on my playing career and I, I was still too young to really think about what I was doing next. You know, you think you're going to live uh, in the hockey world till you're 100 when you're in that world. Uh, but, you know, once it, once it did end and I knew it was ending, I wanted to stay in the game, definitely. And this was an opportunity. Uh, there was an opportunity that I got in Oshawa with DJ Smith. Obviously, you had some success in that playing career in this league. How much do you um, pull from that experience that you had? Yeah, definitely. I use a lot of examples, and uh, it gets a little bit mon- or redundant, I would, su- I would suspect. But at the same time, uh, it, I just want them to realize, you know, the struggles that I went through and had to battle through. That just so you know, guys that are in a situation where they're not playing as much, I, I have compassion for that because I was that guy at one point. Uh, so I try to do as much as I can to tell them stories that you know, past players and myself as well, just so they can relate a little bit easier. Having a coach that is easy to relate to, how important is that for kids this age? 
Yeah, you know what? I think nowadays uh, it's certainly important. I think it's one of the aspects of being a good coach is being relatable to the players. Uh, they they seem to be gravitating towards me. Obviously, uh, they know my my playing career and they want to have similar careers. So uh, they come to me with a lot of questions. You know that I don't think they would go to a lot of uh, coaches with. Some of the coaches you've had it's a laundry list of excellent coaches i've heard you talk about them in the past from your time in philly with peter laviolette obviously in windsor and then you mentioned dj smith bob jones bob ugner so on and so forth what kind of lessons from those guys have you learned to now implement yourself well i try to grab uh the the greatest qualities from each of those individuals and implement them at the same time i still got to be myself uh but you know what i've i've been so fortunate and if you ask a lot of hockey players, uh, I think a lot of times they always say how their coaches were horrible. And that's <laughs> pr- probably it's just like for referees, everyone hates the refs. Uh, so I was in a fortunate position where I always had good coaches. Uh, my playing career in junior, I had Bob Bugner as a head coach, DJ uh, Smith, who now is in Toronto as my assistant, and Bob Jones, who's now an assistant in the HL. Uh, they were all great guys. They were very, very, very good coaches. And then when I got to move on to pro, I had uh, Peter Laviolette, who in my mind, is one of the best in the world and and just lastly with a team that's struggling as much as flint has this year is there ever a fear that the the kids tend to lose like the love of the game because it's not fun anymore or how do you how do you maneuver that well that, that was one thing that I, I realized when i first came here is that you know it was uh, the kids were very down and you could tell that they didn't want to come to the rink anymore so that's been my number one priority is is bringing the joy back into the game um you know we've been unfortunate with so many injuries that we've had and as well as our schedule and we've played every wednesday since i've been here so it's pretty difficult for me to implement uh, any systems because i've been here for a month and i've had seven practices so it's you know those are those are just the 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 adversity that we're facing but it is what it is and it's going to make us stronger once we get through it how are you feeling after another first-hand viewing of the flint firebirds and by the way thanks to eric wellwood for joining the pod yeah great guy about your over under nine and a half pulper yeah nine and a half they've still got two yeah it's uh and i'm not wishing i'm not wishing ill on the team or the market in fact you made a great point as we were walking out of that arena on wednesday night about what it could be like the potential that exists there i think that that rink could be one of the worst places to go and play for an opposing team in this league if they ever have a good product on the ice they'll get more fans and as you walk in as a visiting team you back up at the back of the rink and it just feels like flint it it's weird it, you it just you're like oh, this is this isn't great and then you walk through like into the zamboni uh doors like the behind the zamboni and then you have to take this long walk around the rink underneath it's all concrete there's broken chairs underneath the stands and stuff and it's just i love it it's and there's like that big firebirds painted logo on a yeah. board on the wall it reminds me of slap shot that's yeah. what it reminds me of teams unloading the bus walking into a rink and slap shot and i think if that team was a big bruising tough team to play against it just feels like a small rink the fans are right on top of you on the bench side of the rink there's no space behind the bench. There's no space between the benches, and there's no space at the end of the benches. So what that is is fans are right on top of you. If you were sitting right next to the Rangers bench, if there wasn't a piece of glass there, you could poke the uh, backup goaltender in the ear. 
That's how close you are. And I think for an opposing team, if that rink was loud and in your, oh my God, it would feel like the whole place was shaking. It would be unbelievable. Someone said to me, oh, what a, what a crappy rink. I'm like, this is an awesome rink. It just has that flint feel. And that place could be electric. And you would hate going in there because you would know, I'm going to hurt after this game. I am going to hurt both emotionally and physically. I hadn't thought about it until you brought it up on Wednesday night. And it came up in mid-broadcast. And again, I'm like, ah, maybe. Because they cranked the volume up to 11 there. And if I can just throw that, please stop. Every rink, everywhere. No canned sound. Don't try to manufacture noise. If you've got 5,000 screaming fans making noise, awesome. Love it. But oh my goodness, I think I still have a ringing in my ears from those speakers. But anyway, as we walked out, uh, you you put it really well. And that's when I started getting that same feeling that you're describing. Because you take that long walk and you're going from the the painted underground, the painted underbelly, uh, with the concrete walls and the white paint on them and stuff from the dressing rooms into the now essentially dungeon-esque area under the stands where all the broken chairs are stored and all of the other stuff is just kind of scattered around. And then you're staring at that big Firebirds logo on the wall. And I'm thinking, damn, you are right. Like, what an intimidating feeling. And just imagine that walk in a playoff series if you just lost game oh. five or something. Like, honestly. I, I don't know. It yeah. just has some, it has the feel of slap shot. That's the most generic way I could put it. And I hope, I really, really, really hope that they find a way to get a good team in there. And I hope they have like four defensemen that are 6'6 six, six and just mean. But right now, <laughs> they don't. No. How are you feeling about the over-under? I, uh, I think your confidence is wavering. Dicey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. As each game goes by. Well, and the problem is they just lost Ty Delandria. Because mm-hmm. he's a good enough player, I thought. He might be able to squeeze out a couple for me. Like just him, him himself. Just will the team <laughs> to a couple wins. But I think goaltending is a big issue there. And we, you look at the, their forwards, they're not a bad group of players. Sure, there's some players on that team that, you know, on a lot of other teams probably would be in their junior B system. But they have a lot of draft picks. They traded the likes of Camano, Moore, Bitten, Sherwood. Oh, I thought it was Mattenen. Kingston that made the trade with Niagara. Yeah. Sorry. No, it yeah. was. Oh, okay. Um, and you just got to hope that they can draft and keep these players. Like, we talked about it. They could have had, last year, they could have had Will Bitten. Cole Sherwood, Ryan Moore, Nick Camano, Nicholas Matinen. Like, if that's the case, you find a goalie and you almost go for it. Like, if your top line is Moore, Sherwood, and Camano, holy jumping. Ty DeLander is on your second line? With Will Bitten? With Will Bitten? Yeah. Like, yes, please. It's Some things have been done wrong there for sure, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. I think we all know that. Um, but, I mean... I don't know where my thoughts are on the over/under on the I, nine and a half wins. I took the over. We got a we got a case of uh, brown bottles on it. That's right. I can taste it already. Yeah, I, should I point out should point out that Mark Hunter was at the game we were at Wednesday. He might have been checking on the condition of Ty Delandria. We're not sure. Oh, I I missed that sound yeah. effect. Those trade wins. Trade wins. Trade. I love it. Anyway, this is what you get. This is what you get. 
on the Farwell and Pope podcast. Uh, we have a couple hashtag ask FNPs. We'll get to it next time because we're not on the road, so this will give us something to talk about. Perfect. Keep right? them coming. Yeah, please. Hashtag ask FNP, and we'll bring it up uh, on the podcast and get those cues aid. And if you're at a hockey game this weekend and someone scores a hat trick, throw your ding-dong hat. You had better be throwing that hat wherever you are. This has been the Farwell and Pope podcast, posted weekly. If you have questions, topics, or a story you would like to be covered, simply email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.